0: Hello and welcome to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip off the shrink wrap and get into the messy reality of our lifestyle. I'm Rachel Barth, your hostess with The Mostest, and I'm here to open up a big old can of truth and honesty about the joys and pitfalls of polyamory. I listen to a lot of country music these days on my commute to East Bumblefuck, Virginia, where I have a client, and there is no missing it. Country music is deeply into medicating your feelings with alcohol. It's completely normalized. In country music, pretty much any occasion is a good moment for alcohol. Feeling sexy? Time for a drink. Feeling relaxed? Maybe he would be more relaxed with some alcohol. Feeling sad? Now it is definitely time to get drunk. Here is a song by a guy named Parker McCollum, which I have heard multiple times recently. I know, Parker McCollum, two last names. Why is that so common these days? The lyrics say, I went and bought the biggest bottle they got cause you're gone. Drop the needle on a vinyl and cry to an old haggard song. Look how sad already, right? Sitting at the table, baby, breaking the seal. Gonna see how much of this pain I can kill. I went and got the biggest bottle they got, cause you're gone. Tennessee and Kentucky, cause you ain't here to love me. I drink now that there's nothing to lose. You see what I mean about this? I could quote 20 other songs, but this one is fairly representative. It goes on, he says... I tell myself that I should quit, but I don't listen to drunks. I keep on sipping till I miss you. Don't roll off my tongue. Since you poured our love down the sink, I think I'll just stay here and drink. I tell myself that I should quit, but I don't listen to drunks. It's fascinating because it's so self-aware. He knows he's a drunk, He knows exactly what he's doing. And to him, it seems appropriate and acceptable. Also, the literature nerd in me kind of wants to go back and analyze the poetic structure of this song. There's definitely something very interesting going on there. And I feel like, somewhere, Bob Dylan is smiling. So, at this point, I think it's worthwhile to simply look at our larger culture before we narrow our focus. Country music is the music of the most conservative sector of our society these days. So whatever is showing up in country is stuff that's normalized for even the most old-fashioned among us. And this drinking thing in country music goes way back. It's safe to say that self-medicating with alcohol is widely normalized in America in general, and particularly among white Americans. The music tells the whole story. So it's a good bet that some of you are coming into the lifestyle, might be carrying this trait with you. When you're sad or upset, you want to drink. When you're ready to unwind, you want to drink. Maybe you own a tote bag that says, It's not drinking alone if the dog is home. Or maybe you want a drink to help you have fun. Here's one called You, Me, and Whiskey. It says, I see you still got that knock-it-back shot glass. Girl, you ain't missed a beat. You already let a little four-letter slip, and your hands are all over me. And you're already talking dirty, and it's only 10.30. We know where it goes from here. I can't find this me in a red wine glass. Yeah, and I can't find it in a beer. It's you, me, and whiskey all night long. Sink into the bottom of them country songs. Fire burning hot till the last drop is gone. Let's turn it up, turn it up till we take that black label buzz too far and say them things that stay in the dark. Ain't nothing as sweet, ain't nothing as strong as you, me, and whiskey all night long. I can't find this me in a red wine glass. The singer is depending on alcohol to relax and have yummy, fabulous sex, and even feels that some types of alcohol are simply not alcoholic enough to get the job done. So this, to me, is in the same category with being crappy at scheduling. It's the kind of thing that you can just barely get away with if you're monogamous, partnered up, and your partner has taken on the labor of covering for you. And you know where I'm going with this now. That is not going to work well for you in polyamory. Let's just take this second example, needing a drink to relax and get frisky. This kind of makes sense in a fairly old-fashioned setup where women, in particular, are not really allowed to be sexual in a free way. You can get drunk, do what you want, and then, when you're sober again, go to church and act like that wasn't the real you you don't have to take full ownership of your dirty little self. This works okay-ish if you don't plan to get frisky that often. Now, most marriages do settle down to a slow lane pace of once or twice a week tops. A certain fellow who was in his late 50s, I know, asked his doctor for some Viagra. The doctor tried to give him a prescription for four pills for the month. My friend had to explain that he needed more like 20 pills. There was a long silence while the doctor simply stared at him. On the plus side, though, the same doctor told my friend that he had the prostate of a 30-year-old. Anyway, my point here is that if you need to drink to get frisky, then polyamory will likely cause you to die young from liver failure. It would be just too much drinking. I mean, it's funny, but it's also very real. If you drink this much socially, you will rapidly turn into the sort of person that is fun to meet up with at a party, but no one really wants you to come home with them. I understand that I must sound like a complete killjoy. No more fun for anyone. Polyamory is supposed to be sober and boring. Come on now. I am not opposed to the odd cocktail with dinner or a couple of beers at the beach. I am a gin girl myself. I am happy to participate in the ancient human practice of drinking. But I have to point out that if you need to get three sheets to the wind in order to get sexy, and you have two partners, then you will have to get seriously drunk at least twice a week, plus more if you go on dates with anyone new. And then If you are one who drinks in response to stress, then you will likely get drunk at least once a week due to having one of those conversations with one of your sweethearts. And then maybe you have job stress, or family of origin stress, or stress over your children, or the holidays are coming up. Not to mention how stressed out you might feel if your partners are out on dates themselves, or they have their own family stress, which then spills over onto you. I mean, you will wind up being drunk four or five nights a week, plus the entire month of December. It is just not sustainable. If you want to be successful in this lifestyle, you will have to put on your big person pants and develop healthier ways to cope with stress and healthier ways to relax and get sexy. I mean, polyamory can be stressful, you know. It's a whole different way of living, and it takes a lot of adjustment, and the adjustment period can be stressful as hell. So as part of your journey into a new lifestyle, work on overhauling this area of yourself. Read a book, take a workshop, join a gym, take a yoga class, get therapy, get a coach, do whatever you like, as long as it takes you in a healthier direction. That is all I have for now. Thank you for listening. Do you have any topics you want to hear about on this podcast? Please get in touch with me at unlimitedheartcoaching at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at unlimitedheartfreedom. Drop me a DM. I will answer. As always, I am available for coaching sessions. And if you feel you could use some help, please get in touch with me for a free exploratory session. I appreciate you all so, so very much. And I will see you back here in a couple of weeks.